Okay, I will read the case again and woman's comment. So, Jojo tests the old granny. A monk asks an old granny, which way is the road to Mount Tai? The old granny says, straight ahead. When the monk starts walking in that direction, three or five steps, the old granny says, yet another fine monk goes off like that. Later, the monk brought this up to Zhao Zhou, who said, wait till I go and check out this old granny for you. The next day, Zhao Zhou went to the old granny and asked the exact same question. Her answer was the same as before. When Zhao Zhou returned, he gathered his congregation and said, I've seen through the old granny of Mount Tai for you all. Wu Men's comment. The old granny only knew how to sit within her headquarters tent and launch her stratagem to catch the thieves. She did not know that old man Zhao Zhou was good at creeping into her tent and menacing her fortress. Furthermore, he did not have the outward marks of a great man. Examining them, both took one's rest. But tell me, where did Zhao Zhou see through this old granny? The questions were the same, and so were the answers. In the cooked rice, there is sand. In the mud, there are thorns. Let's sit for five more minutes. Now, does anyone have some thoughts uh, about what we've we've just read and and spent some time thinking about? Well, the first thing I was curious about is woman's comment. But tell me, where did Zauzo see? Where did he see through this old granny? Is Zauzo um, trying to like drown us deeper? with this question that is this not the question um that's kind of the obvious question um and then what is the verse about i don't have any answers i'm just uh, becoming very suspicious <laughs> i will say that um what i said i was going to say kim that Wu Men's comment is usually more obscure to me than the actual <laughs> go on. <laughs> That's but, why this sentence is so weird, because it's so it's such an obvious question that I tend to distrust it. Do you mean the which question are you talking about? Oh, Wu Men's. Where did Zhao Zhou see through this old granny? Yeah, I, I got a sense of the koan, which is probably completely wrong, like it always is. But I'm thinking that the monk asking, where is the road to Mount Tai, which I guess is where Zazo was. Zazo, Zazu? Zazo. Zazo. Well, yeah, where, you know, in other words, the um, place where there's a master who's going to enlighten you. So the monk kind of uh, symbolizes for me all the um, seekers. 
And the woman points the way. It's very, you know, obvious, you know, you just go straight ahead. He starts to walk that direction, but then she kind of makes fun of him saying, oh yeah, another monk thinks that's the way, you know, meaning to my mind that she knows that actually going to the monastery to study with the teacher is a seeking activity and seeking activities don't actually result in awakening or enlightenment. You know what I mean? So that's good. So the old granny is actually testing the monk. I think so. And then Jaju comes in to get tested too, right? But um, she can't tell that he's already a master. So she gives him the same answer. But we get that from woman. Yeah, from woman. Yeah. But he's, so he, he's not wearing any special clothes or he has no right. outward marks of a great man. Right. So she's telling him the same answer as if he doesn't know. Of course he does, but he doesn't need to tell her that. And then um, I feel like he goes back then and tells the other monks, you know, okay, I see where she was going with this. And I've seen it for all of you. So, um, you know, that's that. <laughs> and, and so we, we always see... Well, Donna and I read, and, and Stephanie too, a lot of the hidden lamp things where the old granny is the real wise man, wise one. And so she's testing them, giving them this uh, crazy answer straight ahead. You just move straight ahead. I'm kind of wondering if the old granny did know that was Jaju. You know, that she knew that was him. And why do you think that? I, I think that she, in turn, was testing him uh, by giving him the same answer. It's a possibility, that's for sure. I mean, the- it, it, I mean, if we can, we trust woman. Woman says she did not know that the old man Zazu was good at creeping into her tent and menacing her fortress. But remember. So often, um, Wu Men is saying the exact opposite of what he really means. Well, that's what I thought at first by that question he was asking. That isn't the question. So maybe you're right. Well, here's what we do know, that the Buddha said, question everything I said. <laughs> and right. always well, sticks with me. And so what the impression the, of the of woman's comment I mean, the, the, the thing that stuck out to me is in cooked rice, there is sand, in mud, there are thorns. And for me, that said many different things, different, many different facets of the prism. And one is that in every situation, there is a light and shadow side in each one of us and each one of our parts, there are lights and shadow sides and blind spots. And, and I, this is just what came out, wake up, see what is, Question, question, question for yourself. You have the answers. Guidance is a positive thing, but self-knowing. Ah, there's the depth in practice. And a meander through the wood, lost, can be a wondrous thing, sometimes far better than the guidance an old woman gives. Yeah, I like, Nelda, the whole, you know, we don't know on the surface of things, the whole of the thing. You know, I, I really like that you're pointing that out, those last two lines, cooked cooked rice, there is sand, and in mud, there 
are thorns. Yeah, I, you know, it's, there's something more that can't be seen, in other words. And there seems right. to be a theme that I'm now picking up a thread through all of this, that sit with not knowing, sit with not knowing and find the knowing for yourself. And that seems to be a theme. And there, I, I, those are enough words for now. Okay, how about uh, Cody and Nancy? Mm -hmm. uh, um, <laughs> yeah, you go I'm, first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of lost on it myself. Uh. That's a good place to be. So uh, Donna and Gail and I'm not sure Stephanie don't know that Nancy passed her prelims to do her PhD this week. Oh, how wonderful, Nancy. Congratulations. Congratulations. Oh, Nancy. Oh, that was great. But, but then they changed the prelim and they added this koan to it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, now Nancy has to explain all the cons from now on to us. She's brilliant. <laughs> and I'm failing. <laughs> yeah, I have I remember in the Christian tradition when I would get up in front of the congregation to do the little children's study and you'd ask a question. The answer was always Jesus. <laughs> and like more and more I'm finding that in this practice the answer is always not knowing is good. Not knowing is good. Well, I would do a thing at teaching photography where wherever you take a light reading, it turns out in the picture middle gray. So I tell my students, whatever question I ask today, the answer is middle gray. So I would say you take a, a light reading of a black elephant. How's it going to turn out? And they'll say black. And I said, no, no, no. <laughs> you take a picture of a white elephant. How's it going to turn out? They say white. No. So it was very difficult. Okay, so. Well, I, I will say, um, I think it, it's interesting that, so Jojo jo, jo goes to the granny. He already knows, um, you know, her answer to, you know, Mount Tai, which is, I don't know if that's where Jojo jo was from or not, but it is the most sacred mountain in China. So, um, you know, it's, um, I'm hard pressed to think of an example anywhere else that's as sacred as Mount Tai. Um, but Zhao Zhou went knowing, you know, he knew the question to ask. He also, he knew what uh, the granny's response was gonna be, including the, the second response about there goes another monk. So whatever um, that particular piece of her, um, dialogue isn't going to work on him because he already he's already heard it so you know he in a in coming you know instead of being more forthright and saying you know so why are you saying this to these people you know he just comes and you know goes through the motions like everybody else but he already knows the answers right. he on the other hand um you know they, they talks about you know her being at the fortress tent and her um, 
she, you know, may or may not recognize Zhao Zhou as, as anyone above and beyond the usual person asking for direction. Um, but, you know, it, it would appear that she's kind of stuck in a, you know, a, in a rote response too. But maybe she does know. Who knows? I'm sure Guo uh, Gu will, will explain all. <laughs> Are we ready to start reading? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't like that, Donna, because I have too much faith in the old granny that she's she's not stuck. Yeah, it, it, you know, I don't. I don't know because Jojo was good at creeping into her tent and yeah. menacing her fortress. So no, but know, Donna, you might have something there. Remember, that's what woman said, not right, right. But are we going to trust him? Well, and Donna, now you shifted my focus. Why would Zhao Zhou go? He knew where the mountain was. I'm sure he had been there. He knew that. Why would he take the time and energy to go and personally meet with her when he could have easily just given the monks, you know, an answer and he gave them none, just, I, you know, I get her now. Why, why would he go through all that trouble? Now you've shipped, thank you for now. I'm really curious about that. Okay, so we're all confused. Good. Right. <laughs> so let's continue on in alphabetical order. So, Gail, you're next. Okay. Um, whoop, uh, whoops, where are we? Oh, Guagu's co comment. Here we see Jajo at it again, pulling tricks out of his sleeve. When will he stop? Wu Man is extremely kind in creating a uh, hao-to out of this gong-on. Where did Zhao Zhou see through this old granny? Allow me to add to Wu Man's words. Not only did Zhao Zhou see through this old granny, she also saw right through Zhao Zhou, through and through. What is it they saw? Okay, Kim. Well, no, I'm just thinking about whether that's really true. Okay. <laughs> the old granny who runs a tea shop is located at the base of Mount Tai, short for Mount Wutai, in eastern China. The word granny or po refers to an old woman, but also suggests a woman of wit and resourcefulness who is usually margin marginal and ambivalent in social status and who crosses social boundaries. In pre-modern popular fictions, a granny is depicted as a witch or a sorceress. There are many of these old grannies in Chan or Zen stories. And I think Nancy is next. Mao Wu Tai was and still is one of the greatest pilgrimage sites in Chinese Buddhism. And even before Chinese Buddhism, it was a great Taoist site, a sacred mountain said to be the abode of Wenshu and Matrusri Bodhisattva. The, em the embodiment of wisdom in the whole of Buddhism. There are several hagiographical records about pre-modern times, from pre-modern times about Mutai, Mutai Mountain and manifestations of majesty to pilgrims to this site. 
so not only did Chinese pilgrims go there in pre-modern times, but it is also presently visited by many Korean and Japanese pilgrims. So we, we can just take it since Van Drusri is the Bodhisattva of wisdom, we can take this as where is wisdom, maybe. Oh. Right. Where's, where's light enlightenment? Where's awakening? Where is that? Mm. What's the truth? What's the truth? And, and then what's the meaning of straight ahead? I mean, that's, that's a curious thing. It goes like back it, to that study of which way go. You know, how? Start walking. There, okay. Right. That's something we read at Buddhist Action Now, that, that go on. Yes. Okay. So, okay, so what if she... Bodhisattva wisdom. Go on, Cody. So, so what if she's facing like a certain way and then she says straight ahead and then facing the opposite way and saying straight ahead? And, you know, like, is it always straight ahead? <laughs> well, it's it, Donna. Is there another koan we read where where no matter which way they're going, she says straight ahead or something? Or or am I confusing that with this one? I I don't remember, but it okay. certainly sounds possible. But I think I think um, the also it has to do this for me with this uh, the idea of um, can someone else tell you which way you should go? Yeah, that's that's the whole seeking thing, you know, and that's what Manjushri does. It cuts through the delusion that you're going to attain something by trying really, really hard to conceptualize it and get it. The, the fact yeah. that they would ask her and they would trust her, and, and so she says, oh, "There they go. They're they're suckers for trusting someone else and not their own intuition." Yeah, I think no. Ravu talks about that. Now it's starting to make more sense with that explanation, Kim. Well, maybe it's all wrong. I mean, <laughs> possible, but. Okay. Who's reading? I am. This granny had probably encountered hundreds, if not thousands, of these seekers who always asked for directions. She always gave the same answer straight ahead to the question, where's Mount Watau? As they followed her direction and went straight ahead, she would say, yet another fine monk goes off like that. This expression in Chinese has the tone of mockery and disdain. What did she mean? Word, word got around to Zhao Zhu, whose Guanyin temple was fairly close to this region, although not quite as close as the old granny's tea house. Because of the words she spoke, and her confrontational, non-deferential manner, people thought that perhaps the granny was a Chan master in disguise. When Zhao Zhu heard about her, he went to check her out. So this case took place when Zhao Zhu was in his 80s or even older. Although he did not have to personally go check out this old granny, he went out of compassion for his disciples. When he came back, he gathered his monks. They were quite anxious to hear what had happened between their master and the old lady. But all Zhao Zhu said was, I went and saw through her. And then he left. Everyone was dumbfounded, 
wanting to hear more. That was the genius of Zhao Zhu, to stir up a fuss when there was really nothing to be stirred. Yet, it was necessary that he do this in order to instill his, in his students the question in mind, what is it that Zhao Zhu has seen through? Wuman <clears throat> further stir things up more, I mean, further stirs more fuss with his comment. The old granny only knew how to sit within her headquarters tent and launch her stratagem to catch the thieves. She did not know that the old man Zhaozhu was good at creeping. Uh, did you go down too far? No, creeping into her tent. Oh, creeping into her tent and menacing her fortress. Furthermore, he did not have outward marks of a great man. Examining Cody, you're frozen. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. I'll start that part man. Over. Just have a great man, and then you can go from there. Our marks of a great man. Examining them both had transgressed. But tell me, where does Yajiru see through this old granny? Before warfare, generals sit in tent and devise battle strategies. They direct the army as to what, where, when, and how they should strike. By saying this, woman makes an analogy to the art of war. Who is the enemy? Who are the thieves? It is Zhao Zhou who can easily sneak into her tent and wreak havoc. Why? Because Zhao Zhou was a small scrawny guy. He was so unassuming looking, so unthreatening, that people would easily have allowed him to get into the tent without a second thought. Little did they know that if he came into the tent, he would see right through her. In calling Zhao Zhou a person without the marks of a great man, Woman suggests that his actions are like those of a thief, sneaking around other people's places. How could a great Chan master do that? In saying this, however, Woman is actually praising Zhao Zhou for his skill and means and kindness in setting up a trap for his disciples. Chan masters would do anything to help students. This is very much like what happened between Manjushri and Vimalakirti, or Wemo Bodhisattva in the Vimalakirti Sutra. Vimalakirti also symbolizes wisdom in Mahayana Buddhism. The story goes that once Vimalakirti pretended to be sick and the Buddha, playing along, wanted to send his disciples to visit this great man in the hope that he would teach them. None of the Buddha's disciples wanted to go because at one time or another, Vimalakirti had shown his superior wisdom and had mocked their narrow views about the Buddha Dharma. Vimalakirti was particularly confrontational, like a Chan master. If he saw something wrong, he would comment on it. He didn't set up any prompts or impose preconceived ideas on how practitioners should behave. 
The sutra tells us that he practiced in brothels and had concubines and that he was a very wealthy merchant. He was the embodiment. I want to say that this is a little confusing when you read Vimalakirti of whether he went to the uh, brothels. My impression was he went there to teach the people and save them, not to actually partake. But It says he practiced in the brothels, and, and we take practice to be spiritual practice. So Yeah, I'm glad you caught that. He was the embodiment of the truth that sansara is nirvana. So only one disciple agreed to go visit Vimalakirti, Manjustri. When the other disciples saw that Manjustri was going, they knew it was going to be a showdown between the two. And now all wanted to go. <laughs> Manjustri and Vimalakirti did have a showdown on the teaching of non-duality. They both saw right through each other. Thus, that is what's happening here, except that Lao Tzu went alone, perhaps intentionally. <laughs> if he had brought his students, he, his cover would have been blown. Lao Tzu came back and instilled in the heart of his students with great lots of unsurpassable questions. What is it that our teacher has seen through? What does this trick ahead mean? The questions were the same, and so were the answers. In the Christ, they sang in the mode, their tones. The verse expresses the impossible. How can you cook sand and expect to get rice? If you think you can, then you will be walking in mud with thorns. Everywhere you go, you will be poked. Woman uses this Chan expression to describe Chan practice. You may think, then what's the point of practice if it's impossible or futile? It is precisely because people erroneously think that practice leads to awakening that Chan masters recommend practice. Okay, wait a minute, I have to underline that last sentence. <laughs> From the Chan perspective, practice does not produce enlightenment. If it were produced, if it were gained, then it would be destroyed and lost. Don't you know that it's all good, IAG? The rice is already cooked. The mud has already been leveled. Perhaps you may know this intellectually, but you must personally realize it. How? Do something futile and continue to exhaust yourself until your sense of self along with all of its attachments, drops away. Only then will you realize that within you, there is something already indestructible, limitless, and inexhaustible. You must find out for yourself. The practice is really to get rid of that which blinds you to who you are. Mm -hmm. So this, con this connects to... Um what the monks were asking. They were asking someone else how to get there. Well, they were seeking and they were going places and seeing masters and, you know, trying to get teachings to realize what they already are. You know what I mean? It's sort of like Flint said to me once I was telling him all the things that I was doing 
on top of meditation, you know, to figure stuff out. And he just told me, just, that's fine. Just play it all out. Just play it all out until it, until it explodes or, or you get sick of it. He was basically saying, you can go ahead and do all those things until you realize they're not going to get you anywhere is basically what he said. And I, you know, I, I appreciated that because that's where I was. You know, you could tell me to stop, but at that point, there was no way I was going to actually stop. Uh, so who, who read? Stephanie. I, I read last. Okay. So it's on me. Where, where are we at now? The Chan saying cooking sand to make rice, Cody. Okay, the Chan saying cooking sand to make rice is similar to another saying, selling spring water next to a spring, which means, of course, that people can get the water themselves. If you misunderstand this point and think you should get rid of what's in your hand in order to get water, then you are mistaken. If you think like this, then everywhere you go, all the mud that you dredge through will be full of thorns. There will be an obstacle everywhere you go. The mindset of, an, of the unenlightened is to think that practice will give you something that you don't already have, or that practice will help you to get rid of vexations that you have. Vexations are the normal display of the mind. The difference between the awakened and the unawakened person is that the former displays vexations to teach sentient beings, and the latter gives rise to vexations, such as diseases, harming themselves as well as infecting others in the process. No teacher is perfect, but a good teacher is careful in practice. When he or she demonstrates something that appears to be anger or craving or desire, it may be a teaching or a test for that particular student. Please don't think that if a teacher can do it, then so can you. What is important is that teachers abide by the precepts. If they fail in their own practice, then it's important to help them resume the practice. Genuine teachers will not fall prey to breaking precepts. The last thing they want to do is hurt students. That said, you still need to have compassion for bodhisattvas who are under the influence of the three poisons of desire, anger, and ignorance. To practice is to have a straightforward mind. This doesn't mean confrontational or outspoken. It means your heart is kind and your mind is free from vexations. The straightforward mind is a principle for Chan practice. It is also what Vimalakirti advocates in the Vimalakirti Sutra. In the story, the old granny says the way to Wutai is straight ahead. She answers how one should go about practicing. Many people's minds are crooked. Some practitioners engage in practice to gain external things such as fame, students, money, or Buddhist paraphernalia. The more, the, the more they practice, the more they accumulate. In doing so, they perpetuate grasping, 
In this story, the old granny was dealing with pilgrims to Wu Tai. Perhaps these people are hoping to see a miracle, such as Manjusri appearing to them. Chan practitioners don't ask for Manjusri's appearance. They seek to find their own wisdom. Why do you have to go to Wu Tai and travel so far, thousands of miles, to see Manjusri? <coughs> On these cases, review different phases of your life as a practitioner. Ask yourself, how do I practice? And what is my practice? If I go to Mu Tai with proof that I am a practitioner, if I sit at a Tallahassee teaching center right in front of the teacher so he can see how well I sit, will that demonstrate that I am practicing? What constitutes practice and non-practice between your own life and death? You should ask why you are here. Are you here to make something else better? Are you here to gain something? Are you here to get rid of something? If you have chosen to practice Chen, your, my message to you is you are fine. Live your life fully, but stop chasing after things. This does not mean that you should give up what you have or move to the mountains. No. You are an active participant in the world, in the society, yet at the same time, you are not bound or defined by the different roles that you play, the different things that you do in the society. Resolve your existential dilemma or question. That's what this case is all about. The Chan way is to force practitioners to confront this again and again and again until they have no way out but to face and resolve it. This is no easy task. But the alternative is to live in delusion and not in a straightforward way. You are conditioned to put the existential question of who am I or what is the meaning of all of this behind the facade of makeup, better products, iPads, fancier clothes, a new car, or a bigger house. The whole world is like a mask that prevents you from confronting your life's purpose. It's not to say that you should deny the world and not have these things. Vimala Kirti had all of them. Amid all of this material that blinds and conceals, what is it? Where is your wisdom? Can I just say, I really love this paragraph because they're really, he's really putting out the existential question, who am I? And you don't need to go to a mountain to figure that one out. But maybe you do until you discover <laughs> until you, <laughs> you discover the answer. <laughs> I, I just uh, yeah, I just love that 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 all this stuff is uh, papering over these existential questions. You know, all these other ways we try to find happiness. So does that mean that we we? We don't need to go on, on intensives, go to intensives or on retreats. Well, you do until you don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's sort of the, like what Flint said, you know, um, actually, I, I think if it's a natural arising of um, kind of a, a feeling of peace, you know, maybe that's different than going because you think you're going to find out something, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't think I'm going to find out anything on retreat as much as I used to. <laughs> I just enjoy it. Going on intensives is like going the different reasons people go to a gym. Some people get their lives so and their bodies so out of shape they go to the gym and just struggle to you know just get back on equilibrium. And then you'll see people at a gym who are in amazing shape and they're not going to get in more amazing shape they're going to maintain and so i think intensives are important to maintain so uh, robert, robert frost um would scold his students i think he taught at smith college and he would and actually i i met this man who was a student there and walked with robert frost in the woods which is pretty cool but robert frost would scold his students and tell them no, 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 you shouldn't be here. Get out of school, drop out of school if you want to be a poet. <laughs> and it seems very similar to what we're reading, isn't it? Yes. And so they'd all stay, of course. Yeah. So who's it reading? It reminds us, it's not it's about only. not having all of these things, some of which some of us have. It's about not getting attached to them as identity. Right. Mm -hmm. Who's reading now? It's me. Uh, okay. Zhao Zhu is able to see through the facade of the world. Here he is teaching his own disciples to do the same. He instills this sense of wonderment in them, what is called the great doubt sensation or questioning mind. As I said earlier, great doubt is not suspicion. It is founded on a great convic conviction that comes from personal experience of Buddha Dharma and runs through our veins like blood. It is that which makes us come alive. I don't think Zhao Zhou really needed to go and test the woman. Somehow he knew that she was fine. I think he just tested for his disciples, right? But he said, because they were so, you know, um, I guess, put off and mis mystified by, you know, what she was saying to them. The fact she wasn't respectful either, you know, probably upset them a little bit. <laughs> but the one thing the woman was, is she was, um, she was sure of who she was in the sense that she asked the same question to everyone. She and she was a teacher, wasn't she? Seems like that. Yeah, I, I like that uh, Guagu explained that when she said straight ahead, she was really talking about a, um, let's say it, it, it's a deep intention or, you know, um, you know, your authenticity, your, this, this movement, you know, to find out the, get to the bottom of your existential question, you know, and it's just, you know, you need to focus on that straight ahead. That's what you need to focus on. You know, she wasn't really giving them a path to go on, you know. <laughs> well, we also get in so many of the koans, the relative and absolute thing. So the relative question was, how do I get to wherever? And then the, the absolute was straight ahead, which referred to path, like what you're saying. Okay, who's reading now? This gong on can make you come alive. 
Where is the where is where is the Wu Tai Mountain in your life? How are you going to, about getting there? Are you cooking sand and expecting rice? Are you dredging through mud filled with thorns? What has your teacher and all the generation of masters seen through? Have you seen through the veil of delusion in your life? Right ahead. I am in the moment bodily in an embodied way so impressed by how this practice actually becomes easier over time not because you know so much more but because you know so much less <laughs> since i descend up when the one is much bigger yeah right the more we practice <laughs> also there's a mystery, at least, you know, for me, there was a mystery about, let's say, the practice of meditation. Because when I first started it, I hadn't meditated ever. And yet within a few weeks of my beginning a five or 10 minute meditation practice, I mean, it was amazing. Things changed for me. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I even started having insights in the next year or two. And I knew it was I knew it was had something to do with the fact that I was meditating, but I couldn't tell you how. I couldn't tell you why. You know, it just, you know, I, I couldn't say that's, this is a result of the meditation, but I knew that the meditation had something to do with what was happening in me. Something was responding, you know? It's, it's, it's really a mystery to me. I remember you had mentioned like um, our, uh, wisdom is like a sun and like um, one of the uh, delusions is like clouds and the more we practice the less clouds will be so we can see things clearer and we have more peace and like, uh, yeah, the great feeling that you you have great insights like that yeah. and the insights don't necessarily happen when you're sitting on the cushion they might happen while you're driving your car, you know, or in the supermarket or at the post office, or, you know, I don't know, sitting some random place. That's been my experience, but it has something to do with the practice of stillness. Like, you know, it's a mystery to me. I think you're right, Gail, because I think when you practice, when you have a um, regular practice where you sit um, each morning, I think that stillness follows you then throughout the day. And so then a something happens, you know, a spark of enlightenment, not fully awakened, but a spark happens. You're doing the laundry, you know, or you're going by the post office and something happens. And because you sat that, that morning, that stillness is there where you're still open and able to, to perceive something that is happening whereas yeah, before you just it it, it uh, creates some sort of opening uh, in some mm -hmm. way something opens you know you might not yeah. even be consciously aware of it but something opens it's almost like something is saying yay 
strange. Yeah. Yeah, for my case, what I realized is, you know, I like uh, when I study, most of the time, uh, like, I just really focus on what I like and I avoid to do what I don't like. But the more I practice, the more I see like like uh, liking and not liking are very similar. It's like my sense of wonderment bigger. And so I just like go deep into what I don't like. And I learn even more in that than the, what I like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, sometimes you even sometimes you even feel um, that you don't mind things you don't like because you suddenly got confidence that what you don't like is going to show you something you know what I mean <laughs> you're going to see through something you know and it's always like okay bring it on bring it on because <laughs> it's all good yes yeah. oh. yes <laughs> they're open to everything <laughs> 